Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the two right-backs to my four right-backs. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. That joke doesn't really work now, does it? Because Trent's out of the uh, England squad. But oh well, Justin, how are you? Yeah, feeling a lot better than Trent Alexander-Arnold. I have nothing else to follow up with there, but yeah. There's no need. It's too soon. Too soon for that. Uh, You are listening to the Biggest Championship-specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This is part two of our grading episode where we go through all of the teams in the championship, look back at their season, what went right, what went wrong, before giving them a final grade. If you haven't listened to part one yet, I urge you to listen to that first where we grade Barnsley to Middlesbrough. Now we're doing the rest of the teams and we shall begin with Millwall. And when you talk about teams who have had fairly unremarkable seasons, Justin, Millwall are right up there, aren't they? But what grade have we given them? We've gone with a B minus. Yeah. And again, this is one of those which maybe in hindsight I'm questioning. But I think considering it is Millwall, and I don't want to sound too patronising when I say that, they're a side that haven't spent shed loads of money. It's not a massive budget at Millwall, is it? For them to finish Mm. where they have done and top half of the championship isn't too bad. Yeah, you've got to consider the likes of they finished above Blackburn, who are of a similar guild. Um, they finished above Derby, Sheffield, Sheffield Wednesday, Stoke, who have all spent a lot of money. Um, so yeah, it has been um, a, a good season for Millwall. And again, it's the context of things. Do they spend a lot of money? No, they don't. Do they have a big squad? No, they don't. Um, do they rely heavily on um, a volatile home crowd? Yeah, they're one of the teams who would have suffered quite heavily from the lack of crowds this season. So, yeah, I think uh, I think a B is probably a fair assumption um, as to where Millwall are at. And again, there are periods of, this se- of the season that have just gone past where you've thought, they're not really doing anything here. Um, and then it was, a, it was a late surge again from Millwall that probably made us think, there's something here. There's something that they, they, they there's clearly something there, but... Yeah, a B is fair. And you think if they had a proper number nine that, that could put the ball in the back of the net, they'd be a lot higher up in the table and would have fared a lot better this season. Yeah, the fact that they finished 11th and have lost just as many games as Barnsley, Reading and Cardiff is quite a good summary of Millwall, how they have been for quite some time now. Very good defensively, but don't score enough goals. And mm-hmm. they've drawn a hell of a lot of games this season. And that striker that elusive striker who they've missed for so long now would have maybe been the difference there. But I think maybe Millwall, we give a hard time to because we thought they might be quite good at the start of the season, didn't we? We thought they could be a dark horse to finish in the top six, maybe even a dark horse for automatics if things really clicked. But it never really got going, did it? But in the end, when you look at it, finishing 11th compared to, again, the budgets for some of the teams around them isn't too bad a go. And Gary Rabbit's doing a decent job there, isn't he? He's doing a good, solid job at the den. Yeah, he is. He's, he's a manager I rate incredibly highly. I say that wearing a dog shirt. I've no bitterness towards him whatsoever. I think he's a, a, a tremendous manager at this level. Um, and I think given a, a, a little bit more resource, he can really he can really get a team going. And what he's done with this Millwall side so far has been good. Um, it can be very good if 
for example, we mentioned if he has a striker uh, who can consistently put the ball in the back of net, and we're not we're not talking um, twenty goals. They just need someone who can put in fifteen. Um, they've used Tom Bradshaw, Bud Varson, Matt Smith, um, trying to reel any more off. Um, kind of Zahor, Troy Parrott. It's a long old list. <laughs> yeah, and their best strikers have been wingers. If things improve a little bit for for Gary Rower in that sense, this team can go very far. But yeah. That's probably the reason why they finished 11th because they've always been a good defensive team. They just lacked a little bit going forward. It's, I wouldn't say a transition season for Millwall. It's been one, again, where they've kind of stabilised themselves as a top half championship side. And for that Millwall side to be doing that on a regular basis now is a decent achievement in the long term. Let's move on now to Forrest Justin. Now, this is the one which we disagreed on the most in terms of grades, I mean, we weren't too far apart in many of them and we weren't particularly miles apart on this one. But this is the only one where we were two grades apart. I think I went for an E and you went for a C. Um, mm. So obviously we've gone in the middle and given them a D. Why did you give them a C? I think I consider that um, their decline started under Sabri Lamushi last season and it ended horrifically. Um, so you can imagine that there's a bit of um, there's a bit of carry on into this season, and there certainly was because they were one of the worst teams in the league for the first five or six games. And Lamushi went, Hutton came in, and then when soon as Hutton comes in, you think there's actually a massive job here. There's not a lot in this team, um, goals wise. You know, I thought Lyle Taylor was a good signing, but he's is a carbon copy. He's, he's a carbon copy of Lewis Graben. Um There's a lot of imbalance in the team they had uh, I'm trying to think how many centre mids they had um, just too many far too many a bus load a coach load essentially um, so it was a big job and they finished up uh, with the best defence outside the top six so you think that's not too bad actually considering Joe Worrell was out for large parts of the season Scott McKenna was out for large parts of the season their best asset this season was their defence and they're missing they missed two of their best defenders for the majority of the season. So on reflection, I don't think it was um, a terribly drastic season, a terribly bad season, sorry, um, when you bring into those factors. But considering that you'd have them down as automatics, in and around automatics, high and high, higher in the playoffs, it was a poor season. But as I say, on reflection, not too bad, I don't think. Yeah, well, that's the reason I had Forrest down as an E, just because of their start of the season expectations when you thought at least playoffs and especially with some of the players they brought in with the likes of Knockyard and uh, Freeman very good players at championship level uh, championship level and it just didn't really click at any point did it and the fact that they nearly got relegated where it looked like they were in a relegation battle in the first half of the season is a worry. It was worrying from a Forest perspective, but Chris Hewton, the fact I've given him an E isn't any reflection on how he's done as a manager, really. he's Since he's come in, it's very much been a salvaging kind of job in just kind of getting this Forest side moving in the right direction. And they have done, in fairness to them. Been very good defensively. Going forward, worryingly bad. That's something that drastically needs to improve, especially... But it's just confusing when you've got some of the players available to them. But nonetheless, I think D possibly is a 
happy medium between you and I, Justin. Let's move on now to Norwich. We've given them a big old A+. And I think that is because with Norwich, we thought they'd do well this season. They have done well. Couldn't really ask for much more from them, could we? No, they, they, they their players dominated the PFA team in the season, which shows you how good individually uh, they were in each position. Um, yeah, I, I I think we both expected Buendia to leave. He didn't. He stayed, and they were another level going forwards. Jamal Lewis left. They had some issues at left back, by the way. Quintier got injured. Um, they had to play Jacob Sorensen there, uh, who's a central midfielder. They 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 coped. They coped. Anything that was thrown at them this season. Tim Krull got injured. Um, Michael McGovern came in, um, but they coped. Uh, you know, Timo Puki had a had a period where he struggled, but they were able to find goals and, and results elsewhere. So, yeah, it's been a, it's been a very very good season. It's not really much more to say other than they've been absolutely fantastic and they're one of the best teams in my opinion. Um, this this team anyway, they've been one of the best teams in the championship. Ever. Ever. Right, okay. Ever. Yeah. 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 That, yeah. If you say they, have, they best, have been the best team. <laughs> yeah. Best team in the championship this season. Yeah, they won the league, mate. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's second half of the season they've been untouchable. Absolutely untouchable because they've been deadly going forward and resilient at the back. Um, that was where I had my concerns earlier in the season, because they did look a bit shaky at the back, but in the end they just kind of walked off with the league. We were just everyone else was kind of crawling behind trying to catch up with them while Norwich were just happily just skipping along with the championship yeah. trophy in the back pocket um, yeah it, it was a fantastic season from Norwich Emmy Brendier in particular as we all know has been levels above other players in the championship this season other fantastic stars like Oliver Skip Timo Puki, Todd Campbell's had a good season even though it took a while for him to get going and then Grant Hanley, Ben Gibson, Max Ahrens, the, the, the list goes on, doesn't it? They, they've been fantastic this season, Norwich. They have deserved the title. I don't think anyone can really dispute that. A+, plus, yeah, absolutely. You really expected them to be in or around auto, the automatics considering the talent they've got available to them. And they duly delivered. They did. I think I, I think I said at the start of the season, if anyone finishes above them, then they'll get automatically promoted. Lo and behold, Norwich finished top. No one finished above them. They won the league. Double thumbs up. Yeah, Daniel Farker deserves a massive round of applause. We, we've kind of been digging into him, haven't we? Because he won the LMA Manager of the Year award ahead of Valerie and Ishmael, which didn't make any sense to me. But he does deserve a lot of credit for getting this Norwich side, who were awful in the Premier League, by the way. Absolutely terrible in the Premier League last season. They were the whipping boys. And they've come back down, gone back up straight away at the first time of asking, and been fairly untouchable as the season's gone on. Well done to Daniel Farker and the boys. Preston Justin, what grade have we given them? We've given them a C minus. Yeah, because Preston for now, for for the last three seasons, is it? Not including this one that's just gone, have been playoff contenders repeatedly, haven't they? And they didn't really ever look like they're in the conversation for the playoffs, did they? They out of all the teams in the championship, consistency has been a real issue for many teams. But Preston have been consistently inconsistent throughout the whole season. Really, really frustrating. And I think because they've been flirting with the playoffs for the last few seasons, up until this season, this this season, this season they, they'd probably be as far away from it as they have ever have been. It's probably why Alex Neal essentially lost his job, as well as the terrible inconsistency. Um 
but you know, looking at the team, it was it was a good side, uh, and a bit like Millwall, you put a number nine in here who can grab double figures. They're a different team. Um, they they they've managed to um, not be badly affected in January by you know they lost Ben Pierce and Ben Davis. Um, they nearly lost Daniel Johnson, Alan Brown, but they signed new deals, which which shows you there's something building here for Preston. Um, so to lose key players, uh, two defensive players, and replace them with with good loan signings, um, I think is a, a good balance as to what Preston have been this season. Which is they've just been they've been fine. They haven't been good. They haven't been terrible. They've just been fine. Um, and there's not really much to add other than they'll make you tear your hair out at times. Oh, massively, because in the games that they have won, they have looked fantastic. And then next week, they'll just be awful. It, it was bizarre how they went from good to bad, good to bad every single week. And <laughs> that consistency is ultimately why they have been the most mid-table side in the championship this season. Um, they did have that... Nice end to the season, didn't they, under Frankie McAvoy, which has probably boosted up their grade by a couple of yeah. letters, a couple of <laughs> letters, a couple of whatever levels, um, points, points. Yeah, it's it's helped them massively, hasn't it? Because otherwise they'd have been given a much lower score. But nonetheless, it's been a transition season for Preston. Losing the likes of Pearson and Davies has not helped whatsoever, but. They have managed to recruit the likes of Whiteman um, and then that will help them massively going into next season and beyond, as we say. They just need that striker. They've needed that striker for so long, Justin. They just need to try and find them. 15 goals, please, from a striker. That's all we want from this Preston side. It's literally just it. That's just the only ingredient that's missing. It's like, it's, it's like a, I don't know, a KFC without the, uh, the fried edges. You know what I mean? It's just chicken. It's a KFC yeah. where it's just chicken. Yeah. And all you need is the crispy batter. That's all you need. I mean, that's, that's the, only the reason you go, it's the only reason you go to KFC. Just for the yeah. skin, really. Um, and Preston are massively lacking that. And that's why they're stuck in mid-table. Yeah. Um, here's a side which has got loads of crispy chicken skin. And that's QPR, <laughs> especially in the second half of the season. They got a B-, minus, Justin. And... I imagine quite a few QPR fans might be a bit annoyed by that. But when I was putting this grade together, it was very much keeping in mind how they were doing in the first half of the season. Because it's easy to forget for a side who have finished ninth in the table. But they were just outside the relegation zone in the first half of the season. So, unbelievable second half of the season. Absolutely pants in the first half of the season. Pretty much, that is that is the nail on the head, isn't it? They were um, they were really bad in the first half of the season. Defensively, they carried on from last season, where they were they were good going forward at times. Well, they were good going forward throughout the whole season, really, but they were really bad defensively, um, and that seemed to to um, leak into this season a little bit. But they got it sorted in January. Um, Charlie Austin coming in, I think, massively boosted um, the the forward line. Uh, and they found a lot of balance at the back. Um, Rob Dickinho and Barbe, I think, had they have had uh, had they have been in a team that had a better first half of the season, they would have been in, in contention for our uh, for for our team of the season because they've both been incredibly good. I think Johan Barbe is the only player to play every minute this season, for example, mm-hmm. um, which is testament to, to to him. But yeah, 
they, they things changed very quickly um, as soon as uh, as soon as the year ticked over from 2020 to 2021 because at one point we were wondering how Mark Warburton was still in a job at QPR. Well, the form has been massively impacted by the signings they made in January, haven't they? You mentioned Charlie Austin, Stefan Johansson, Jordi Device, all fantastic experienced players yeah. at this level. And it just shows if you manage to bring in the right players, then who knows what can happen in the second half of the season. And that's what happened at QPR. They've not looked back at the how bad they were in the first half of the season. And now there's a lot of excitement at the Kyan Prince Foundation Stadium about what they can do next season. And they've got every right to be excited, especially now they've got the likes of Austin back and Device, maybe even Johansson in a couple of weeks' time. It's exciting times at QPR. And who cannot be excited after how crazily good they've been in the second half of the season? Only Watford and Norwich picked up more points. You've got to take your hats off to that. That's the key stat. Um, the, only, the fact that Norwich and Watford finishing in the top two, they've only... Because Norwich, uh, Watford in the second half of the season were, again, were incredible. Um, and QPR pushed them all the way in terms of second half of the season form. Um but yeah, there's a lot to there's a lot to like about this QPR team going into the new season. It's going to be hard not to not to really uh, not, not not to really like them because they've been such a a lovable team, um, and they've they've got the uh, the potential to be a cult team for the neutral. I think. Let's move on just into the final one before we have a little break. That's Reading. What have we given them? We've gone for a B plus. Yeah, and again, not. Many people were expecting Reading to do too much this season, have been in the playoffs for much of the season, just missed out in the final few weeks. But overall, Reading fans can't be too disappointed with how it's gone. Yeah, again, it's the context of um, what's happened over the past couple of years. It's been it's been a, a, a bit like Birmingham City where they, they have a manager in place, they have to sack him because they're teetering too close to the relegation zone. Um, he lasts a few weeks into the uh, into the next season, and then it's it starts all over again. It's been that constant cycle up until Mark Bowen. Mark Bowen came in, dusted everything down, made everything nice. Paunovic has just added that little bit extra for Reading, and they were unfortunate not to uh, not to finish in the playoffs. I think players form wise dropped out at the wrong time. Lucas Shaw had been incredible for two thirds of the season. Towards the final third of the season, his form started to dip, and it's the same with the likes of Ajaria. Uh, and other players, Michael Morrison getting injured as well at a pivotal time. I think he got injured with six games to go. wasn't ideal. So there are a lot of factors that went against Reading. But considering where they've come from, um, I think a B plus is a is a positive season. I think seventh place is a positive season for Reading. Yeah, I think you've pretty much hit the nail on the head there, mate. They, um, I remember at the start of the season when Bowen left Reading with just a week or two before the season began. It was all panic stations at the Medeski. Everyone was wondering what's going on now. They've just brought in Velko Panovic, who had a fairly unremarkable record over in the MLS. And here they are, finishing seventh. If you said to a Reading fan at the start of the season you'd finish seventh this season, they'd have taken that. It's obviously disappointing considering they've been in the playoffs for so much of the season. Um, but again, B+. Plus. I think is a fair reflection of that. Um, it's also got to be taken into account. They've obviously had fantastic youngsters who have had brilliant seasons, the likes of Elise, Omar Richards as well. Uh, Josh Lauren, I say he's a youngster. He He's actually 26, which isn't as young as, <laughs> as I thought he was. But nonetheless, 
it's a great season for Reading. I don't think anyone can uh, discount that at all. Let's move on to, in fact, just in less of a break. After that, we'll talk about Rotherham, Wednesday and Stoke. I tell you what, there's nothing I love more than a classic football shirt. I've got loads of them. A Juventus shirt, Marseille shirt, even an Antalya Sport shirt. One of the reasons I've got so many is because I can get them for a great price from ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk. They've got shirts for teams from all over the globe, and that, of course, includes championship clubs. So if you wanted a classic Wednesday shirt, Reading shirt or Barnsley shirt, whoever you support, they'll have something for your club. It's not just shirts either. They've also got track suits, baseball caps, socks, so much stuff. Have a look for yourself. Go to ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk right now. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. Next up on our season grading list, Justin, is Rotherham. It's your boys. It's your team. (laughs) Uh, What grade have we given them? We've gone with a D plus. Yeah, and you've been very much riding the Rotherham bandwagon for much of the season, haven't you? Um, Do you think a D plus is a fair reflection of the Miller's season? Now I've had a little bit of time to to settle down from the season, just to reflect a little bit. You know, everyone does it. Put the, put the feet up. Just just have a chance just to catch your breath. I think a D plus is fair. Um, they bottled it, didn't they? I don't, I don't think they bottled it. They they weren't helped by COVID, were they? Um, with the fixture schedule being absolutely crazy, I don't think that can be used as the sole excuse. But I don't think they bottled it. They needed just one win, though. Just literally just one win. You sound like a heartbroken lover at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is a little bit like that because I've been made to eat my words quite quite significantly. Everybody's reminded me, um, but it very much was a a nearly a nearly thing for Rotherham because, as I say, it was just one win. One win would have seen them over the line. I'm looking at the points now. They're two points off Derby. They've got a better goal difference. Um, it was an 88th minute goal by Marlon Pack that sent him down. Um, so yeah, on reflection, a D plus is, is probably fair, fair because at no point were they were they as good as the likes of um, Coventry or uh, well not Wickham, but they weren't as good as Coventry. Um, and obviously the the fact that they had five six games in hand and they weren't able to um, to pick up any points in that time, I think. Is ultimately why why that we've given them a D plus because it ended in disappointment, massive disappointment. Mm. The fact that they've managed to stay at a similar level to the likes of Derby County and Sheffield Wednesday is commendable because Rotherham are a fairly low budget side, aren't they? At this level, yeah. um, they don't spend much money on that side at all, and the players that they brought in have been very much brought in um, to just kind of fit the system really and it's not a very thick squad either they've got one of the lowest squads in the division in terms of squad depth so they, they've done well they've done well this season it's obviously they just didn't manage to get it over the line so of course Rotherham will be disappointed with how the season's gone um, especially considering the position they were in but I think D plus they, they can be they can look back at this season, can't they, and say, well, it's been disappointing, but there are definitely positives to take away from it. 
there are, as you say, they, they push two teams. Uh, Rotherham are literally sandwiched in between Sheffield Wednesday and Derby geographically. Two massive clubs and they've and they've pushed them all the way. And as I say, it was an 88th minute goal from a Cardiff City player that, that relegated Rotherham. Um, so there are positives to take out of it. The only really just sort of disappointing, gut-wrenching thing is the fact that they had it in their hands for so long, they were unable to take advantage of it. And that ultimately why it's a D-plus rather than a C, for example. And as I say, they haven't been as good as Coventry um, throughout the course of the season. So I think a D-plus is a, is a fair assessment. And there's, there are some, there is something to build on from Paul Warren. They should take a lot of positives away from the season and build on that because they're a team who I think can easily win League One next season. Yeah, I, I think they will... Um definitely be in with a shout of bouncing back in League One next season. Uh, another team is going to be joining them in League One next season is Sheffield Wednesday. Justin, what score have we given them? We've gone with an E minus. I didn't think we you got pluses or minuses once you get below D. I, I don't know how Ofsted works, to be quite frank. <laughs> um but I, I think E minus. I'm looking at that now and I'm thinking whether we've maybe been a bit harsh to Sheffield Wednesday. Obviously, they've gone down. They finished bottom in the end. But when I look at the grand scheme of things, Justin, considering the hands they've been dealt with, the points deduction and their squads being a bit tatty at the start of the season, they did all right, didn't they? Um, when Darren Moore came in, yeah. Uh, you saw you saw Darren Moore get the potential out of the team. Even Neil Don- Neil Thompson, the caretaker manager, did a very good job with it. Um, the hands they were dealt were completely self inflicted, um, so they can't really escape any sort of criticism for that. But if you're judging it based purely on the team and ignoring outside factors like really bad ownership, um, they, they, we perhaps were a bit harsh because I see it's handing a team a six point point uh, six point deduction at the start of the season. Um, they're always going to be up against it. And in fact, they've actually fought fairly valiantly at times, not not consistently valiantly, but there were times where they looked like they could get out of it and there were times where they looked like they could easily finish bottom of the league. Um, so I think I think an E- minus is probably fair because they, they had they had good players in that squad and there, a lot of money was spent in the past on it. Aidan Flint, as I mentioned, had a loan spell in the first half of the season at Wednesday. You could easily forget about it, but he was one of the best defenders in the second half of the season. Why was he like that? You make a fair point. Um, It's worth pointing out Wednesday would have stayed up if it wasn't for that points deduction. Um, But when you look at some of the managers they've had, of course, Monk and Pulis. Pulis in particular was absolutely dreadful. And Gary Monk was only slightly better than that. Um, I think when you take into account the whole season, then maybe E-minus is all right and probably fair. It's just, I feel a bit sorry for them because of how many blows they've been dealt this season and the fact that if it wasn't for that points deduction, they would have stayed up. But the squad did have a lot of holes in it at the start of the season, didn't they? I think Jordan Rhodes was the only natural striker that they actually had in the team. But again, as you say, a lot of money has been spent on that squad. I mean, Jordan Rhodes, as we mentioned, cost them 12 million, didn't he? So you'd expect better from the players that they have got there. And they just ultimately didn't deliver, did they? And that's why they're in League One now. Let's move on, Justin. Stoke, they got a C-. They're another one, aren't they? Who have had a very Jekyll and Hyde season. And I think I know what you're going to say. That is mostly down to the injury of one Tyrese Campbell. 
It, it could well be me jinxing them. I mean, I predicted them um, in our mid-season uh, review of them having a very good 2021. It's been nothing, nothing like the sort. They've been terrible. Um, and I want to take this opportunity to apologise to every single one of you Stoke fans for that. I, I take full responsibility. Um, don't blame Michael O'Neill. Don't blame the board. It's my fault. I've, I've been thinking this for a while. It must be Justin <laughs> Peters' fault for Stoke's troubles in the second half of the season. Only two teams picked up fewer points than Stoke in 2021, which is a pretty damning indictment because they, they were going quite well in the first half of the season, yeah. weren't they? they? They were just outside the playoffs. Um, but when you look at that in hindsight, the fact they finished 14th, is a, a pretty remarkable fall, isn't it? Yeah, it, well, it is. And uh, on, on reflection, you you can argue that you know, Michael O'Neill might be lucky to to stay in a job, given that the form in the second half of the season was was that quite really really bad. And um, the team that they have and the money they spent, and they've not spent big in fees. But John Obi Mikel's not going to be on. 500 quid a week is he? he's going to be on a fair a fair wage same if James Chester's they've spent a lot of money on free transfers Stephen Fletcher um so yeah I think I do think losing Tyrese Campbell um did derail things quite significantly the failure to replace him um again was was quite significant bringing in Rabbi Matondo looked a good signing but he was a wide player Jack Clark probably the better loan signing of the loan signings they brought in in January but he's a wide player did they need a wide player no they needed a, a striker um, of the same guild as, as Tyrese Campbell um, just to bump them up in terms of goals because that's one of the things that massively let them down in the second half of the season was scoring goals yeah definitely um, is worth pointing out Stoke were another one of those sides that we thought could be dark horses to do quite well at the start of the season, I think we had him to finish in the playoffs. Ultimately, just didn't happen. Um, one positive can be seen as the youngsters that they've had come through this season. Harry Souter, mm-hmm. in particular, has been fantastic at the back for Stoke. Tyrese Campbell, as you say, um, I think he probably would have got into player uh, team of the season Sorry, if it wasn't for that injury halfway through the season. And I'm looking forward to him finally being back to full fitness next season. Nathan Collins is another one who has been... Um, used sparingly in the first team this season but when he has actually had that chance he's been fantastic as well so there's positives for Stoke it's been an underwhelming season compared to how we thought it might go Um, but there's something to build on there isn't there Swansea Justin they got a B plus now Swansea one of those sides who didn't think were going to be up to too much this season but they blew out all of our expectations, didn't they? You looked like they were challenging for automatic promotion for the vast majority of the season. Had a bit of a shaky spell in the final third of the season, but finishing just one game away from the Premier League, it's a mighty old achievement from Steve Cooper. It is, and you consider the fact that as a manager, he's only had £2 million to spend in transfer fees during his whole tenure, not just this season. So I'm trying to think who they've paid fees for. Uh, Morgan Whitaker was one of them in January. Christopher Jamal Lowe. Pe- Jamal Lowe. Christopher Peterson, can you remember him? Nope. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, so it's, 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 been, it's been a difficult um, uh, tenure for him so far in terms of being able to spend money. But 
you know, he has had the likes of Boyer Baston last season and Andre Ayew for the last two seasons. So that balanced itself out a bit. But I think B-plus reflects Swansea as a whole. They've had a, a very good season. Defensively, they've been very, very good. You'd argue that they don't create um, enough chances for them to be a top two team, but they do enough to be a top six team. Um, and that's what they are under Steve Cooper. They will be a top six team. They've got a mini rebuild ahead because um, obviously a lot of players have left. But reflecting on this season, I don't think you can have any complaints. I think it's been a very good season for Swansea. Um, and, the, and the Cooper out crew... Yeah, I don't think I don't think any manager gets you to a playoff final this season. Yeah, let, let's not mention those lots. Steve Cooper's done a fantastic job, hasn't he? For them to finish fourth, and again, we could talk about how Barnsley have competed amongst some very um, well-backed teams financially. Swansea are the same, and as you just said, Steve Cooper hasn't had shed loads of money. Sure, they've probably spent quite a bit of that money on loan fees and what have you, but still, they're nowhere near the levels of the likes of Norwich, Watford, Brentford, and Bournemouth. So, for them to be, you know, fitting in amongst that crew and not looking out of place at all, it's a very good achievement from Steve Cooper's perspective. He deserves a lot of praise for the job that he has done this season, and Swansea fans can be very proud of what their players have achieved this season. How they're going to look next season, who knows, but I don't think you could take anything away from how good a season this has been for the Swans as a whole. Also worth pointing out, Coming into this, I was thinking to myself, Swansea, oh, they had a terrible half of the second half of the season. Only five teams won more points than them in 2021. So it wasn't really that bad. In terms of pure consistency, Swansea have been one of the more consistent sides in the championship this season. It's just they let themselves down quite a bit in the second half of the season with silly defensive mistakes, um, not necessarily creating many chances going forward. But overall, it's been a fantastic season for Swansea. Justin, we're down to our final two, and one of them is the team who have finished second in the championship season. That is, of course, Watford. What grade have we given the Hornets? We've gone with a B. Yeah. Why have we given them a B? I've been looking forward to this, mainly because I've had a lot of stick on social for not including Watford players in the team of the season. Um, okay. And here, here, here's my reason. Vladimir Ivic had a Ferrari to drive. Um, and he drove it like a Prius in the first half of the season. Um, so in my opinion, in that first half of the season, Watford have been a bit like a, a Stilton cheese. You're eating it, but are you really enjoying it? No. <laughs> There's a lot, lot of similes around here, but carry on. Yeah. And I, they're the two best ways I can explain and, and justify as to why Watford don't have any players in the team of the season and Watford are also... Um, rated as a B. I don't have anything against them. God, Watford shirt behind me. <laughs> okay, but what, why have we given them a B then? Because as you say, they weren't particularly fascinating in the first half of the season, but under Isco Munoz, we saw a completely different side. Exactly. So Isco, Isco Munoz, you, you give him an A, A, a plus for, for his uh, stint in the second half of the season. You give Ivic a C. It's the whole Ferrari driving it like a Prius thing. And that's what it was. You have so much talent at your disposal when you don't use it. Um, you don't create a system that gets the best out of your players. That's what was so frustrating in the first half of the season for Watford. Okay, they were near the playoffs. Uh, they were near the top two. They were in the playoffs. But they were never brilliant. They were never really, really good. They were just... Yeah, they were just fine. They were just ticking along. And that's not 
good enough for a for a team with the individuals that Watford possess. Yeah, I think a B reflects on the fact that they've managed to finish. I keep saying the word reflect. I've just noticed that for some reason. Um, they, they've finished second, haven't they? Finished in the automatics. And when you've got the players that Watford have got, then you'd expect that to be the case. So, mm-hmm. as you say, they, they didn't pull up many trees in the first half of the season. Isco Munoz certainly did pull up a lot of trees. And a B, I think, is a fair you know, season for a, a fair grade for Watford based on how the season has gone as a whole because if it wasn't for Iskamunos coming in and making these players play like the players that they are, then there you go. I think that's a good season for Watford. Um, final one, Justin. Who have we got? We've got Wickham. And what grade have we given them? We've given Wickham a B. Yeah, yeah. And when we talk about Wickham, it just makes me feel sad because they came so close, Justin, to pulling off the great escape. Um, And a B, I think, is well-deserved from a Wickham perspective because when we talk about how, you know, Barnsley, Luton, Rotherham, these teams haven't got massive wage budgets compared to other teams in the Championship. Well, Wickham are digging for scraps, really, aren't they? And here they are nearly staying up in the championship the whole club as a whole can take enormous credit for what happened this season obviously the the season ended in relegation which is a a big negative but I think the only sort of real negative you can take from it is just the fans weren't there to see it Um, because it was the first time in their history they were in the championship Um, and it's it's frustrating not not to be able to to see that or to to to, um, cheer your team on Um, but as you say, the, the the club, the team, Gareth Ainsworth, the players, they can all take a massive amount of credit for what they did. And, you know, there was a point in the season where they were bottom, pointless, may have even been goalless. I don't think they were. They um, looked awful, didn't they? They, they weren't they, goalless because they scored on the first game of the season. But yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they looked abysmal. They looked completely out of their depth, didn't they? Exactly. And... You know, you'd be forgiven for thinking, are these going to, are these going to get any more points? They've got no chance. Um, so for them to get to the final day of the season, okay, goal difference aside, they had a chance of finishing. Um, they had a chance of staying in the league. That's a massive, massive achievement. Probably again, one of the bigger achievements in the league this season because they had no right to budget. Um, yeah, the, the budget players, the start of the season, they had no right to finish on on uh, forty three points. So it's credit to everyone and a, a, yeah, a massively positive season for Wickham. And the team's going to get picked apart. Um, we've seen Onya Dimmer go to Luton already. Is it, They've got good players. So you can't you can't turn your turn your nose up at them. They've been tremendous. Yeah, it's all about the team spirit at Wickham. Um, Gareth Hainsworth, fantastic job. They managed to pick up wins against the likes of Bournemouth and Watford across the course of the season. Mm. And comparing those two in terms of financial backing would just be scary it would be mind-blowing so for Wickham to be finishing where they did albeit going down but one point from safety it's a massive achievement it's a hats off kind of achievement and Gareth Ainsworth's done a fantastic job the players can be enormously proud of what they did this season I know I sound patronising but Wickham it's been a good season Um, if you said to anyone that they wouldn't finish bottom this season You'd have been quite surprised, exactly. especially after, especially after how they did in the first, you know, quarter of the season. Justin, 
that pretty much rounds up our grades then. And uh, we'll just quickly rank how um, how each team's done. We'll go from worst to best. So Derby, we think, had the worst season. They got a big fat F. Then Wednesday got E-. minus. Bristol City got an E. Birmingham, D minus, then there were D's for Huddersfield and Forest, D plus for Rotherham, C minus for Bournemouth, Preston and Stoke, C's for Blackburn and Cardiff, C plus for Middlesbrough, B minus for Millwall and QPR, B's for Coventry, Watford and Wickham, B plus for Brentford, Reading and Swansea, A minus for Luton, A for Norwich, and finally A plus for Barnsley. Well, that's it. That's been our grades for the 2020-2021 Championship season, ladies and gentlemen. Hopefully you've enjoyed listening to these past two episodes. We'll be back again next Sunday for another episode. Not sure what it's going to be yet, but stay tuned and it'll be a surprise for all of us. This is our final episode before the Euros, Justin. Who do you think is going to win? I've got a sneaky feeling Portugal will get it again, you know. Interesting. I think it's finally Brentford's year. Um, so this <laughs> So this has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again in a week's time. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. (laughs) 